Hey everybody, welcome to Tommy Tommy's Wrestling Podcast. I am, of course, Tommy, your host. And like I always say, this is the average fan with you on average podcast. I'm going to do this in two, two parts again this week. Um, it's about the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. I'm going to do his biography, and then part two will be my top ten personal favorite matches. You can agree, you can disagree, that's on you. I'm going to talk about on my next one a little bit what I think of the matches, why I love the matches, because there's a lot of matches that this man, Bret Hart, has had his whole career, and it's very hard to just pick 10, but I tried to do the best I can. Um, you know, last week I did Taker, I thought it was fitting because he did retire after 33 years. You know, there will be no, not another character like The Undertaker. And watching those five parts was amazing. Um, so, here we go on today's episode of Brett the Hitman Hart. Brett Sergeant Hart was born on July 2nd, 1957. He was the 8th of 12 oldest. In his five decades of wrestling from the 70s to the 2010s, he held full of... 32 belts, 17 held between the WWF slash WWE and WCW. He, honestly, to me, he's just an awesome wrestler. But, um, he was the eighth child, like I said, of wrestling patriarch Stu Hart and his wife Helen. He was born in Calgary, Alberta, into the Hart family dynasty. He is actually Greek and Scots-Irish. Um, he has dual citizenship, but he always loved the fact that he can say he was he was equally proud of his U.S. and Canadian nationality. Um, what's crazy about it is his maternal grandfather was one of his uh, Harry Harry Smith, who is actually Davy Boy Smith Jr. in wrestling today. He had a total of 11 signal siblings, like I said, seven brothers, Smith, Bruce, Keith, Wayne, Dean, and Ross, and, and Owen, of course, I'm sorry. And he also had four sisters, Ellie, Georgia, Allison, and Diana. He was closest with Dean because he, would, he was actually the nearest to him in all of his age, only three years of his senior. Um, they weren't really religious, but they were non-dimensional Christians. Uh, what was great about him, he, he was an amateur wrestler at an early age. He began training at nine years old. He became a standout wrestler in high school in the amateur wrestling division. He said that he joined the res- wrestling team for the sole reason that his dad expected him to. No one had to ask him. He won a lot of championships and tournaments throughout Alberta, including the 74 city championships in Calgary. He scored a victory over competitor Bob Ackland, who actually would go on to become a Canadian Inter-University Sports National Champion, winning Outstanding Wrestler of the Year in 1881 and Route the Championship. He, he described that when he displayed the medal to his father, Stu, that was actually a powerful moment. And the relationship with his father took a different direction from that point on. He also considered the medals to be one of his most prized possessions. By 77, he, he was an collegiate champion at Mount Royal College, 
where he was studying filmmaking. His coaches and other people around around him felt that he had shown sufficient promise to compete at the following year's Commonwealth Games and encouraged him to begin training for the event. Part, uh, he, he was uh, beginning to find amateur, amateur wrestling really underwarning that injuries and fluctuating in his weight. Stu believed that his summer people were making it to the Olympic or Commonwealth Games, he put an effort into it. He also had expressed he believed that even if he became an exceptionally successful sports wrestler, it would not have led to the career afterwards, which he was interested in, stating that he thought that he would end up as a wrestling coach or physics teacher at a high school if he pursued the Olympic route. He said that the only way to give up amateur wrestling at this point in his fall is to become a professional wrestler. He also became, his college grades actually became very poor and his interest in life really wasn't going crazy. It wasn't really that great. It wandered, wandered. And he dedicated himself to wrestling, wrestling and training with his father in the Stampede promotion. In 76, he began working for his father's Stampede Championship Wrestling in Calgary. Hart first began helping the promotion by refereeing matches. At a 78 event in Saskatoon, a wrestler was unable to perform his match, so Stu forced his son to stand out, stand in as a replacement. And then before long, he became a regular contender, eventually partnering with his brother Keith to win the Stampede International Tag Team Championships four times. He said that he gained most of his prominent experience with Japanese combatants and real-life trainers, Mr. Hito and Mr. Sakurada. Hart also had high-impact matches against Tom Bellington, who later became the Dynamite Kid. In the midst of wrestling alongside his family, Hart made a point not to ride on the shoulders, shoulders of his elders. He faithfully jobbed as a request of him, taking pride that taking pride in the believability of his performances. He actually said this, no one could take a shit kicking like Bret Hart. <laughs> although his, although he dreaded taking partaking in interviews and speaking in front of the crowd. He went on to win the promotion, the promotions, top titles, including two British Commonwealth mid heavyweight championships, five international tag team championships, and six North American heavyweight championships. He also wrestled as Tiger Mask in New Japan Professional Wrestling. He he wrestled there a lot during the mid to during during the early to mid eighties. He also remained one of Stampede's most successful foremans until until the promotion was acquired by WWF at the time in eighty four. In nineteen eighty four he started as a singles wrestler with the cowboy gimmick, but he refused um, stating that where he comes from, if you're called yourself a cowboy, you better be one. He also made his television WWF debut on August 20, 1984 in a tag team match where he teamed with the Dynamite Kid. On September 11th in New York, Poughkeepsie, New York, he defeated Aldo Marino in his tele televised debut singles match, which aired on September 29th. Back then, they did like basically once a month, it's so many. And that also aired on Superstars of Wrestling. He also, and so then in 1985, after he 
acquired the nickname The Hitman. He requested to join Jimmy Hart's Heel Stable, The Hart Foundation, which also included his real-life brother-in-law, Bret Hart. I mean, Jim Daniel Neidhart, I'm sorry. He began to increase his team with Neidhart. In order to build the, the promotion tag team, the Hart Foundation's name then became exclusive to Bret Neidhart and manager Jimmy Hart due to the similar family styles of both team members and their manager. Brett's agile technical skill, which earned him the moniker the excellence of execution that was actually coined by Gorilla Monsoon, and created a contrast with his partner, Jim Neidhart's strength and rolling skills. During this time, Bret Hart started wearing his signature sunglasses. He did that so he wouldn't feel nervous during his promos. He, he said that early in his career that was the that was the weakest part of his of his career was the microphone in, in the early stages of course he in 86 he began his first singles program with Ricky Steamboat and that was an, an original in a in a singles match originally planned for WrestleMania 2 he lost Steamboat at the Boston Garden on March 8 1986 which would be would also, which actually was on Bret Hart's 2005 DVD as one of his all-time favorite matches. That could be one of mine, you never know. Um, but at WrestleMania 2 instead, he participated in the 20-man battle royal, which was won by Andre the Giant. He also lost to Steamboat again on July 20th, 1986 on an episode of Primetime Wrestling. But he also headlined his first WWF card when he beat Ray Rougeau, the Fabulous Rougeau, one of the Fabulous Rougeau brothers, in the main event of November 3rd, 1986, an episode of Primetime Wrestling. Um, they also won in 1987, the beginning of 1987, February 7th, him and, him and the Anvil won their first tag team titles when they defeated the British Bulldogs. And then they teamed with Danny Davis to face the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana WrestleMania third, WrestleMania three, they won the match when Davis pinned Davy Boy Smith after hitting him with Jimmy Hart's microphone. They they adopted the nickname the Pink and Black Attack, which Hart continued to use after the tag teams disbanded. This was reference to the team's spring attire as well as Hart's signature mirrored sunglasses which he would routinely give away to a young audience member before matches following, following his babyface turn in 88. As his WWF career progressed, he increasingly describes how the best there is, the best there was, and the best there will be. He got that from the, the movie The Natural in 1984. He never injured an opponent according to him on any fault of his own through the entire course of his career. He missed only one show as a result of flight difficulties. And the only match he refused in his career was to lose was his final match against Shawn Michaels, which was actually Montreal Screwjob. They lost the tag team titles to the Strike Force on an episode uh, on October 27th, 1987. And he also he also to strike force I'm sorry if I said that and he also competed in his most high profile singles contest to date on November 20, 1987 when he faced Macho Man Randy Savage in a losing effort 
That actually was requested by Savage, which was kind of cool. In 1988, he, he began that year with a decisive victory over Paul Romo of the Young Stallions, who scored an upset victory over the Hart Foundation the previous year. On January 11th, the episode of Primetime Wrestling and at the Royal Rumble in January 19... On January 11th episode, I'm sorry, of Primetime Wrestling and at the Royal Rumble in January 1988, he was the first man to enter the Royal Rumble match. He lasted 25 minutes and 42 seconds before being eliminated by Don Morocco. He entered another battle royal at WrestleMania 4. He was... He actually... Him and Bad News, Brand, Bad News Brown was the last two... Um, this basically turned him baby face. He, um, basically they were going to, they said they were going to share it. He turned his back and he turned his back on Bad News Brown and Bad News Brown attacked him and eliminated him. Um, also after that, Nightheart soon came to Brett's side, but manager Jimmy Hart felt discouraged, uh, discouraged the feud leading to a fallout between team and manager. This led to matches pitting uh, Bret Hart against Danny Davis and also his first singles championship opportunity in which challenged the Honky Talk Man for the Intercontinental title in the main event of the July 18th episode of Primetime Wrestling. It also ended in double countout. Also, um, as as a reason for the feud between Jimmy Hart and and the, and the Hart Foundation um, Jimmy Hart assisted then tag team champions demolition helped them help them secure a win at August 1988 the fabulous Rujos who was a former enemy became turned heel recently and they started to feud with the Hearts in 1989 at the Royal Rumble the Harvard National Team with Jim Duggan to defeat the Rujos and Danny Bravo. They also defeated Greg Valentine and the Honky Tonk Man, who were also managed by Jimmy Hart. At the event in Milan on April 8, 1989, Andre the Giant requested to work a singles match with Bret Hart, who lost the match, which was later released on his, on his 13, 2013 DVD set, The Dungeon Collection, but considered Andre's praise and encouragement after the match to be a key point of a single career. He also wrestled his first pay-per-view singles match on October 10th, losing to Dino Bravo in the first British WWF pay-per-view, which was held at the London Arena and broadcast on Sky Television. He was... He actually lost by count-out because he actually broke his sternum, and it was actually an unplanned count-out loss. In SummerSlam 89, they lost a non-title match to the WWF Tag Team Champions, the Brain Busters. In the first tele, in the first televised contest of rivalry that actually spanned, that spanned out actually to be Bret Hart's WWF and WCW careers, he lost to Mr. Perfect on November 6, 1989, on an episode of Primetime Wrestling, when Perfect pulled Hart's tights during a roll-up. In their first singles meeting, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart wrestled to a double countout on the February 11, 1990 episode of the Wrestling Challenge. He also participated in Royal Rumble in 1990, uh, and then the Hart Foundation defeated the Bolsheviks in 19 seconds at WrestleMania 6. 
and also began feuding with Demolition right after that and they Demolition just won the tag team titles at WrestleMania 6 and this is when they won their second and final WF Tag Team Championship at SummerSlam 90 in a 2 out of 3 falls match which actually was a very good match I can actually watch that match over and over and over they also um, they won when they got help uh, from Legion of Doom Believe it or not, they actually lost the tag team titles to Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, but a few days later, President Jack Tony reversed the decision that, and the win was never acknowledged on television. They also, they also that reign actually lasted in, until WrestleMania 7 when they lost to the Nasty Boys. And finally, this one, the team split. This is now, after WrestleMania 7, this is when a singles push really happened. He... He beat Mr. Perfect with the sharpshooter at Rest at SummerSlam '91, which was one of the best matches I've seen in some SummerSlam history. He also won the '91 King of the Ring tournament, and it was at house shows back then. He also that year he he beat Skinner at this Tuesday in Texas. In January 92, he was placed in a feud with the Mountie. Uh, the Mountie beat him. He, the Mountie beat him at the Royal Rumble at two days before the Royal Rumble 92, but because they said Bret Hart had the flu-like symptoms. Um, Mountie lost it two days later against Roddy Piper. Then Roddy Piper finally took a clean pinfall victory. Took a clean pinfall loss to Bret Hart, basically, I guess you want to say, pass the torch to him. At a wrestling challenge taping on July 22nd, 92, Bret Hart defeated Shawn Michaels with the Intercontinental Championship that's suspended above the ring. That was the first, that was the first ever ladder match. He held his second reign as the Intercontinental title until SummerSlam of 92, in front of 80,000 fans at Wembley Stadium. He actually was the first time I ever an Intercontinental title was defended in the main event of a, especially the Big Four. He lost to Davey Boy Smith, who was the hometown hero, and actually that year got, got voted match of the year. And that was one of the... To me, that was the best Russell, That was the best SummerSlam match of all time. After that, he, he beat... Which I was actually kind of upset about this. He beat Ric Flair. Not that he beat Ric Flair for the WWE title, but he won the title on an episode of Superstars on October 12th of that year. And it was not originally broadcast on WWE television. It was made available on the Coliseum WWF home video releases. He also said that he dislocated his fingers on his left hand during the match and popped it, popped it back in himself so it would not affect the rest of the match. He made his first successful title defense against Papa Shango on Saturday night's main event. He would headline his first pay-per-view as champion vs. champion against Shawn Michaels at, Summer, at Survivor Series 92. And he also defeated Razor Ramon at the 93 Royal, which was a very good match as well. He would def he would defend the title against 
uh, contenders as such as Papa Shungo and Ric Flair before he lost it to Yokozuna in his first WrestleMania main event at WrestleMania 9. After interviews from Mr. Mr. Fuji. Um, then I called it the reason. Redemption story, honestly, the King of the Ring tournament, the first ever King, it was actually, if you want to call it Bret Hart's pay-per-view, uh, which was, which was awesome, you know, it was, you know, his fingers were broke, he, he, he beat three wrestlers three different ways, never once did he beat with the sharpshooter, that's what made it bad, made it awesome, he beat, he's Ramon Mr. Perfect and Bam Bam Bigelow, and he's the only two-time King of the Ring champion um after after the match he got attacked by jerry lawler and this this was like a two-year program if you want to say that he um jerry lawler interrupted uh his coronation he said he was the only king and that's when he attacked bret hart and began a barrage against the hart and his family they wrestled at SummerSlam 1983 determined the undisputed king of of the wwf he originally won the match by submission, but he never let go, and Brett, and it was reversed, and he was reversed. Um, Owen Hart, his brother, also feuded with Lawler in 1993 in the USWA. <clears throat> he, after months dealing with with Jerry Lawler, he he received a WrestleMania 9 rematch with WWE Champion Yokozuna. On the November 20th episode of WS Superstars. When Brett appeared to have the match won with Yokozuna locked in a sharpshooter, Owen came to ringside to congratulate his brother. Referee began questioning Owen's motives, which allowed Fuji to assault Brett. Owen then involved himself and got him disqualified. Um, this, at Survivor Series, at Survivor Series that year, it was the Hearts versus Shawn Michaels. He was a substitution for Lawler, um, who was facing legal troubles of his own and his knights. Um, the only member that wasn't that wasn't eliminated was the only member of the Hart family that was eliminated with Owen. But he got jealous and he came in and he it was all about Bret and he wanted to get out of out of um, he wanted to get out of the shadow of Bret Hart. So that's when the uh, feud started. Um, they reconciled, and then that's the Royal Rumble 94. They were, um, they had a tag team title match against the Quebecers. Uh, Tim White stopped the match, and he considered Brett unable to continue after he sent a kayfabe knee injury during the match. Owen berated his brother after, afterwards and kicked him in the leg. But Bret Hart later on came in, and he won the Royal Rumble and tied with with Lex Luger, and they both were named co-winners of the 94 World match and received title shots at WrestleMania 10. Bret vs. Owen, probably the greatest opener of WrestleMania. Owen beat him, but then Bret Hart beat Yokozuna, who beat Lex Luger earlier in the night and won his second WWF title. He also continued a feud with his brother, Owen, and... Jim the Anvil Nightheart came back and actually took took his took Owen's side. Uh, he defended the title against WWF. He defended the WWF title match against Diesel, who was the Intercontinental title at the time, Intercontinental Champion at the time. 
Um, he he lost by disqualification against Diesel. He fought also he fought also against Owen Hart at SummerSlam in probably the greatest cage match ever of all time. Then he feuded with um, Bob Acklin. He beat Bob Acklin one match, and that's when Bob Acklin Acklin snapped and turned into a heel. He lost an I Quit match at Survivor Series that year. And three days later, Diesel beat Backlund in eight seconds with the jackknife powerbomb to become the WF champion. And, but in 1995, he was morally doing acting, um, and he shifted, the, and that shifted him to be the number two face in the company behind Diesel. He pounds Diesel to a WWF uh, heavyweight title match at the Royal Rumble, and. And which was bad because it was a good match, but it kept on stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. And it was ruled a draw because they kept on outside interference. Shawn Michaels won the Royal Rumble that year against Diesel, so they didn't have a rematch. But it was also Bret Hart um, fought Bob Backlund in an I-Quit match at WrestleMania 11 and won. Bret Hart said it was his worst pay-per-view match that he ever had. And that's something a lot. He competed in two matches at, at In Your House, the first ever one. He defeated Akushi in his very first match. And his feud with Jerry Lawler reignited. And he won. And Jerry Lawler beat Bret Hart due to Hakushi interference. Uh, they had one more match. Bret Hart beat Lawler in a kiss, kiss my foot match at the King of the Ring. And then... Yeah, horrible this coming up at, at SummerSlam. He defeated Lawler's kayfabe dentist Ike Zicky Yankum by disqualification at SummerSlam 95. After that feud ended, he started a feud with... <coughs> excuse me. He's, he, um, he started a feud with Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Who would be stealing the mirrored sunglasses from fans at ringside in a trademark leather jacket? And in your house three, he defeated Lafitte and the feud. He shifted his focus back to the WWF title, defeating Diesel in an ODQ match at Survivor Series to commence his third reign. In a rematch from the 92 encounter, he successfully defeated. His title against the now heel Babyboy Smith in an in-your-house five-season beatings. He lost to The Undertaker by DQ at the 96 Royal Rumble when Diesel interfered. He beat Diesel the following month at the in-your-house pay-per-view in a steel cage match. He then he lost to Shawn Michaels. He lost to Shawn Michaels in a 60-minute Ironman match. And he took literally took a, a I guess you want to say six month um, hiatus because they weren't sure if he was going to resign with the company until he actually said it on TV and that's actually a true story. Um, he lost to Shawn Michaels. Um, it went to sudden death over time. Shawn Michaels hit him with a soup kick. One, two, three. Um, but he did. He went over on the European tour though, over the next two weeks, coming out victorious. He beat Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hitman Hart. The tour ended on April 22nd. Um, so then, 
then he wanted to work with Austin when he came back, and that was his choice. And at Survivor Series '96, he defeated his he defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin, which was an excellent match as well. And you know, starting '97, you could actually kind of see the you could kind of see the whining and everything. He got screwed. He got screwed. He really won the Royal Rumble '97, but he didn't really win. He won the Royal Rumble '97, but they didn't see him throw out Stone Cold. Stone Cold snuck back in and eliminated him. Austin, Austin won. So then, so then, the next month it was supposed to be the final four wrestlers competing for the number one contendership, but with Shawn Michaels the um deactivating the the title um to vacate title i'm sorry he um it wound up being a fan of four he won the title for a fourth time and he won the title for the fourth time but he lost the next night against psycho sid um he wrestled he wrestled stone cold steve Austin in an i quit match and honestly if you want to say this was the greatest wrestlemania match of all time they did a double turn Bret Hart turn Heal for the first time, and that was actually really, really fun. This actually, with his, with this heel turn, it was awesome. Like every other country cheered him, the U.S. booed him, which was great. He um after that he after when he became he brought back the Hart Foundation together, um this time with. With the British Bulldog, Owen Hart, Brian Pillman, Jim the Envelope, and himself. And he also, they were feuding with Austin, with Shawn Michaels that year. And then at SummerSlam 97, he uh, defeated, he defeated The Undertaker to win his fifth WWF title. His fifth and final WWF title. He actually got voted that year in 97 as the most hated wrestler of the year. Which was kind of cool. I mean, you never think that. But at... Going back to In Your House 16 Canadian Stampede. I mean, that was such a fun match. Tar Foundation. Tar Foundation defeated Goldust, Ken Shamrock, Austin, and Legion of Doom. Um, so now going into... Summer Survivor Series 97, he was supposed to drop the title to Shawn Michaels. This is how the Montreal Screwjob actually happened. He he had 30 days left in his contract. And 30 days in his contract, he actually had creative control. He didn't want to drop it to anybody. He would have dropped it to anybody but Shawn Michaels. Um, unfortunately... Unfortunately, that he wouldn't do business the right way. Um, you know, the belt is a prop, in my in my opinion. And when you go out, it doesn't matter if you if you felt like this guy he shouldn't have dropped it. But it was it was it was a bad decision on his, and I understand why Vince McMahon did it. Sean gave him the. And I'm going to talk about it next week when I do this episode when I do the Montreal Screw Job after I finished this episode. Uh, Sean got him in the, sh in the sharpshooter. Earl Hebner, right, called for the bell right away. He, Red Hart got up and he destroyed a destroying equipment. He punched Vince McMahon 
Vince McMahon in the face after that, but he also spit in his face. He he knew he knew he got screwed. So, and then after that, after that incident, he signed with WCW, which honestly he went there honestly for the money. They didn't know what to do with him. And his salary with WCW was two point five million for per year. Uh, one million, a one million annual increase from his WWF contract, and he also had a lighter schedule and a measure of creative control over his television character. Um, it all started that everybody thought he was going to join the NWO. Uh, after the day after the monster screw job, they all, uh, that's when Eric Bis- Eric Bischoff announced that he was going to join WCW. He made his debut on Nitro on December fifteenth, ninety-seven. He was he was he made his actually first pay-per-view as a horrible referee. It was so stupid referee. Um, it was Larry Zabisco versus Eric Bischoff. Zabisco won, and then he interfered in the last match, uh, the Sting versus Hogan match. He after that he. Elected to defend the honor of WCW against the NWO, defeating members Brian Adams in his debut Nitro match on March 2nd and Kurt Hennig at Uncensored. And it was so weird, like, Bret Hart in April 98, he actually helped Hogan recapture the WCW world title, turning him on the process. He became an associate of the NWO but did not officially join the group. He also held the U.S. title four times from 1998 and 1999. That was also a record within WCW, and he was seen to praise, to raise his prestige as many WCW events were headlined by a match for that title during that time period that Bret Hart was associated with. He competed in his second Nitro match on June 22nd. He defeated Benoit with the assistance of the NWO members. He... He also had attempted to recruit his longtime friend into the NWO, but the offer was rejected. At Bash at the Beach, Hart competed in his first championship match in WCW when he faced Booker T for the WCW World Television title. He was qualified after Booker with a, with a steel chair. He had lined his first Nacho on July 20. He beat DDP for the faking U.S. title. Um, that was that was when the Giant interfered and helped Brett. On the August 10th of Nitro, he lost the title to Lex Luger. He regained it from Luger the next night on Thunder. In the main event of Fall Brawl, he was defeated in a War Games match for the number one contender spot in the WCW World Heavyweight title. He asked the fans for forgiveness, turning his back on Hogan and the NWO. Um... Hogan and Bret Hart had a match on September 28th, but during the match, he sustained a, a knee injury. Sting came out. Bret Hart fought back to come back, but he actually attacked Sting, turning heel again. On October 12th episode of Nitro, Sting and the Ultimate Warrior defeated Bret Hart and Hogan by DQ. But his uh, feud ended with Sting at Halloween Havoc and ended. He... He basically beat Sting with the bat. He hit him over the head with the bat. 
and he also he lost the title to DDP also that year. They also headlined the following month's World War Three pay per view. He regained the title from Page on November thirtieth episode of Nitro in a no DQ match. Finally on on February eighth, nineteen ninety nine, episode of Nitro, Hart lost the United States heavyweight title to family friend Roddy Piper. He he really wasn't doing much and he called out Bill Goldberg. Goldberg he said he could be Goldberg in five minutes. Goldberg came out, speared him and but he put a metal breastplate under that to knock Goldberg out and Bret Hart said, Hey Bischoff in WCW I quit. He but honestly that time he suffered a groin injury at the hands of the team Malenko in November and needed time off of surgery. What was said about it on the 29th, on May 23rd, 1999, the night before Bret Hart was scheduled to make an appearance on The Tonight Show, he was going to hype his WCW, his, that's when, unfortunately, his brother Owen Hart passed away in the accident that took his life. He also, he returned then on his first match. He returned to wrestling on September 1399, episode of Nitro, uh, in a tag team match with Hulk Hogan against Sting and Lex Luger, reestablishing him as a face in the process. Then he, stout, then, he cha- then he challenged for Sting's WCW title on October 18, 1999, on an episode of Nitro. He lost the match when he was attacked by Lex Luger due to controversy over series of world title Sorry, I didn't realize I paused it. I'm sorry about that. Due to controversy over series of WCW World Heavyweight Championship match between Sting, Hogan, and Goldberg as Halloween Havoc. The title was declared vacant. He won the title finally for the first time. Um, he beat Chris Benoit finals of the match for it. He also beat Bill Goldberg for the US title. Thanks to thanks to outside interference, um, that's how he won it for the fourth time. So then at he finally won the title I said against Chris Benoit in the in the, in the finals against in the finals at WCW Mayhem. Um, on December seventh, on December seventh, Goldberg and Bret Hart won the tag team championship from Creative Control, making him a Hart, cha- making him a double, double champion. But Hart and Goldberg lost tag titles to the Outsiders on December thirteenth, an episode of Nitro. At Starcade, Bret Hart defeat, defended his title against, against Bill Goldberg during the match. Hart was actually struck with a thrust kick to the head. Resulting in a severe concussion. Hart later speculated that he he may have suffered up to three additional concussions within matches over the course of that day, along with the days immediately following Starcade. Also at that event, he they tried to redo the whole Montreal Screwjob thing, but this time. He, this time he had Goldberg in the sharpshooter, the bell rang, 
and it was really confusing. The next time he came out on Nitro, and he stated that he stated that oh I'm gonna I want I don't want to have the championship advantage, but it was also a swerve to have the NWO 2000 start. But unfortunately, he had to vacate the title in January 2000 because of the concussion, and basically that actually ended his career. Basically, if you want to sum up Bret Hart's WCW career, one big concussion. Because it was very, it was horrible, his, his WCW run. And then the company was sold in 2001 to WWF. He finally made men's with WWE yet now, and he went into the Hall of Fame in 2006. In 2010, he came back. He finally, him and Shawn Michaels, Reconciled. He had a match against Brent, against Vince McMahon at WrestleMania that year. It was horrible, and he became and he became the general manager for a few months. But that was that didn't last too long. He wrestled. So he beat the Miz for the United States title. He vacated it when he became the GM, and that was the last title he ever won ever. And then he. He came back here and there for for special appearances. It was Bret Hart Appreciation Night. Um, so, I mean, I was so happy he was able to reconcile with the WWE, with the WWE, with Vince McMahon, everything that happened. A lot of people say, oh, it was it was a work, the Montreal Screw Job. You don't know. You don't know if it was a work. You don't know what to make out of it. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, so I hope you enjoyed this episode of Atomic Tommy's Wrestling Podcast, the average fan with the unaverage podcast. I'll see you guys with part two next time.